watching online. Uh, my family's watching online today. We got one kid who woke up with a, a fever, not COVID, okay? Just full disclosure, we tested him, but yeah. Uh, good to see you this morning. If, if I haven't met you, I'm Tyler. I'm the campus pastor here at CTK Blaine. We're just glad to have you with us. And I uh, just have a few things before we get started um, with, the, with the message. Um, first of all, man, just love worshiping with you guys. Brian, Dakota, thanks for leading us this morning. Uh, yeah, give it up for them, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, just if, you, uh, if you're new here, uh, we, have, we, uh, we have connection cards in the back that we'd love for you to fill out. Uh, we have our giving in boxes in the, in the back if, if you feel led to give. Um, I wanted to, before we get into anything today, I want to celebrate... Um, before the service, somebody handed me a bubblegum cigar because it's time to celebrate this morning. Uh, we have um, baby Casper Traff here this morning, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, something that Allison and Stephen have been praying for for years is to have a baby, and, and they have one here today. We've been praying with them. So we get to celebrate a miracle today and, and uh, celebrate Casper. So if you want a bubblegum cigar, which is church appropriate, uh, you can grab them there in the back. St Stephen Allison brought those. Um, coming up pretty soon in, in June, we're going to do a series called Big Questions. We did it last summer. And I think it's great for you guys because you guys can ask any question you want to, and we have to try to answer it. So um, this could be a question about the Bible, it could be about culture, it could be, it could be about, it can't be like anything, like, I, I'm not gonna, you know, tell you which, which of my favorite Ninja Turtles was growing up, uh, so something a little deeper than that, it was Donatello, by the way, if you're curious, um, but yeah, there's a text line, uh, you can text your questions, we keep it anonymous, so we won't say, hey, here's an embarrassing question, here's the name of the person who asked it. Uh, but please text us your questions. We're, we like to get those ahead of time so we have time to, you know, not just be extemporaneous with it, but really give it some thought and prayer in how we address that. So uh, that's coming up in June. Um, also coming up on June 8th, uh, we are going to have a uh, meeting for home group leaders. Uh, one thing we're committed to in the fall is growing our home group Outreach. We want everybody to be connected to a, a vibrant, healthy community. And so we're going to have a leaders meeting uh, at uh, June 8th, Wednesday, June 8th, 7 p.m. It's in the Chevron Loft, which if you haven't been to the, uh, the Chevron Loft, or like I, I like to call it the Gas Palace, it's pretty, pretty amazing down there. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Nice deck out there. And uh, anyways, we get to have our, our home group leaders meeting there. So if there's, and there'll be snacks. So if there's any reason you want to be a home group leader, it's because of all the stuff we can give you. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, but if you're interested in, in leading a group, that'd be a great meeting to come to. Or if you're already currently leading a group, we want you there. So, um, well, I'm going to get into the message today in Mark. But before we do that, let's, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this group of people, God, that you've brought. I thank you for um, the traps and, and baby Casper. Uh, I thank you that you, you gather all of us together from, from different backgrounds, um, from different places, from different stories, and you bring us together and you make us a family called the church. And so, God, we celebrate that. We're thankful for that. God, I pray that as we dive into Mark 7 this morning, um, that, God, you would— you would teach us, 
Uh, God, that we would learn from your word and from the teaching of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I wanted to start this morning with kind of a fun question, and you get to answer it. Um, but has anybody here done any acting? Any acting? Dan, what, what kind of acting did you do, or what, what was your role? Uh, I was acting in a couple music videos, and I the Wow, that's cool. Way cooler than what I've done, so that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, anybody else? Wanna? Steven? The Chosen, or uh, not kidding. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Uh, anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> Ty. Really? Oh yeah, you, you live down in California, right? So yeah, right on. Anybody else? Steven. Okay. Any significant roles that you want to share? Okay, cool. Well, like I said, I, uh, my, my roles were definitely not as cool as um, all of you guys. Uh, I was interested in acting in middle school, and then I quickly like ditched any idea of, of acting, but I signed up for, a, for an acting group when I was like in sixth grade, and I didn't know this when I signed up for it, but the first play that they were, production they were gonna put on was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and so that was my introduction to acting. I was like, oh man. Which if you're in a play about Winnie the Pooh as a sixth grader, that's like social death. So I didn't let anybody know that I was in Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh. Um, I went, uh, so I, I went to the audition and I remember thinking in my head, like I'm just gonna play this really naturally. I think I was supposed to read Piglet's line. So I was like, I'm just going to play this really naturally, really low-key. And so I, I, I gave my lines really low-key, probably the chillest Piglet you would ever, ever hear. And uh, they didn't like it. They didn't like it. So they gave me the role. I'm not kidding. Uh, my role was animal number four. <laughs> animal number four. So I didn't have a name. I didn't have a species, and I was the fourth one of them. So, you know, it was like definitely lowest man on the totem pole. The, the next play they did was The Hobbit, so it was a little more interesting. And I decided to change my tactic a little bit. I decided to be a little more expressive, a little more vocal. And afterwards, it worked, because they said, hey, what role do you want? And I chose Gandalf. So. It was good, see? I learned, I didn't want to be animal number four anymore. I wanted to, I wanted a major role, and then I quit after that, but um, with no intention of going back to acting, by the way. Um, but you, may, you might be wondering where I'm going with this. Today we're gonna talk about, in, in Mark 7, Jesus talks about the difference between uh, acting godly and following Jesus. So it's a, it's a pretty powerful message, and one that we need to look at today. He, he uh, he shows us that it's possible to be an actor when it comes to your faith. And he uses this word that we don't like to hear, but he uses the word hypocrite. And uh, he calls a group called the Pharisees and scribes hypocrites, um, that they are trying to appear godly, but that they're actually far from God. And so he talks about that difference. 
And I got to confess that talking about a message about hypocrisy is tough as a preacher because I'm up here most Sundays sharing about following Jesus and what you should do. And the first thing when you preach a message about hypocrisy is to not look out there, but look in here, right? Like, oh man, because I'll be honest, I'm, I have been a hypocrite at times. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. God is still working on me. And so in Mark 7, Jesus has this conversation with a big group of religious leaders called the Pharisees and scribes. And he, he, he looks at them and calls them, you hypocrites. And the word in Greek, it literally means an actor or pretender. So if you think of what actors do, they play a role different than, than who they are. They can get into that role. They can get into a different identity. And uh, does anybody here enjoy, like, the new Spider-Man movies? Anybody else? One person. Oh, three people. Okay. It's okay, guys. We can, we can like Spider-Man. It's good. No, me too. Um, I think Tom Holland is, is a great actor. Um, I, I, looked, I looked him up a little bit. So he actually modeled his character after Marty McFly in, in the Back to the Future series. What I didn't realize is that he's actually British. Um, and his, uh, his real accent is completely different than his American accent. And there was an interview that he did um, with, with an American, uh, it w like a, an American show. And halfway through the interview, the interviewer stopped him and said, hey, why are you pretending to be British? Like they just, <laughs> they just didn't get it. Like he was so believable and so realistic. They, didn't, they couldn't accept that he would be, he would be British. And, and Tom Holland just had a look like, are, are you serious? Like, haven't you heard that, that I'm from London? Uh, because his accent was so believable. And so in Mark 7, Jesus calls out a group of people for pretending to be godly. It's like, you, you know, you're not actually like close to the heart of God. You've just kind of learned the accent. You know, you've just learned the role. You've learned how to behave in a certain way. And so as we look at this today, this is the question I want to ask. How can we be sure that we're living with genuine faith? Genuine, real faith. And I don't know like, where you're at with, with Jesus this morning, um, but if, if you're new, if you're just checking Jesus out, I hope that what you take away from this is the kind of faith that Jesus is after. That he's not after just people who, who can behave well in certain settings, that he's actually after a heart transformation. And uh, we're going to go ahead and look at Mark 7. This is Mark 7, verses 1 through 13. So it's a little lengthy, but I'm going to go ahead and read the story, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. So it starts this way in verse 1. It says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come up from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding the tr to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples, or why do your disciples not walk according to, to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, there it is, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
In vain, they do, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. We'll go ahead and stop there. All right. So we're, we'll stop there for now. We'll come back. Um, so here we have an instance where the religious elite travel up north from Jerusalem. They have some scribes from Jerusalem. So these are like bigwig religious people to the small town where Jesus was doing his ministry. They had heard about Jesus. Uh, they had heard that he was an amazing teacher, healing people. So he was a phenomenon that they wanted to check out. So they, they take a trip up there, and they observe, uh, they observe his disciples eating. Uh, first of all, um, the Pharisees, uh, we'll talk about the Pharisees and scribes. So the Pharisees are, are probably the most influential religious leaders of the day. In Jewish culture, they're seen as like the, the most credible authority on scripture. Um, and then the scribes are sort of the Pharisees on steroids. Not that they were buff, um, but, they, uh, but they just knew the law really well. They were legal experts. And at that time, it wasn't just the Old Testament. You also had these um, secondary law books uh, that they would study that uh, elders would have written out. Um, detailed information on how to exactly specifically follow each law. So they had all these years of tradition and code, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. These guys knew the fine print. And so when they come and observe uh, Jesus' disciples eating, they're disgusted because the disciples aren't being good religious guys, they are eating with unwashed hands, and that is not okay. They're eating with unwashed hands. They were, they, uh, were sloppy eaters, um, and this offended them because at that time, hand washing was a big deal. It was more about ceremony than hygiene, but um, if you were a good religious person, you would dip your hand in a bowl of water, you would lift it up, you'd let the water run down on one side, and then you'd turn it to the other side and let it run down that side. And that, then you were ceremonially clean and ready to eat. And this was just one of many laws in their law books that told them how to operate and how to obey, uh, <coughs> obey the commandments. And so in their eyes, in the eyes of the Pharisees and the scribes, these disciples were eating like heathens. They use this word defiled. They're eating with defiled hands. That word defiled means common. They're, they're not good religious people like us. They're just common people. Look at how they're eating. They're not doing the, the ceremony. And, and so, um, so they ask Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Like, Jesus, we can't take you seriously because obviously, obviously you're not godly, right? Obviously your disciples aren't following the rules, and that would, that's what makes you good. And so they had divided godly people and common people based on hand washing, based on the way that they were eating, how they were going about their faith. And so Jesus had a response to that. And he said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And I love in this that these guys are focused on, like, the secondary law. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Let's go, to, let's go to some real Bible, okay? Let's go to Isaiah. This is about you. 
Now, when you read stuff like this, you're always thinking like, man, I'm glad that's not me. But imagine Jesus pointing at you and saying, no, this is you. This prophecy is about you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. I mean, if that was Jesus pointing at me, I would freak out. I would freeze up. And so what he's saying is you are actually far from God. Yes, you can wash your hands pretty well, but your hearts are far from me. Uh, you're acting. He says you worship in vain. Basically, you're dishonest in the way that you worship. You're not worshiping from your heart. You just have a routine down. And so you see, you see one group of people focused on the exterior, focused on looking godly on the outside, and you, have, and you have Jesus and his disciples focused on experiencing God on the inside. And so today, I want to talk about this huge difference between focusing on the outer life and the inner life. You had one group of religious people just totally focused on the outer life, and Jesus is completely focused on the inner life. In fact, it's the inner life that should flow out into our outer life and change our outer life. There's heart transformation before behavior change, and then the, the Pharisees had it backwards. They're thinking behavior change before heart transformation. If I do the right things, then I'll be the right person. And J Jesus is saying, if, you, if, you're, if you're with me, you'll be changed in your heart, and that will lead to a change in behavior. So, True, true followers are alive on the inside. True followers worship from their hearts because they've experienced being set free. Experienced being set free from, from sin and from death and from grief and from trauma and all those things. And so I hope today that this is freeing for you. That Jesus isn't trying to make you behave or, or fit or look a certain way, but he's actually more concerned with where your heart's at. He's more concerned with your inner life, that the main thing that he wants you to focus on is loving him. And then from out of that will come all the good works and all those things. But the main point, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says, all, everything else comes out of those two things. Everything else comes out of those two things. And so Jesus cares. He starts with our inner life. Actors are going to be focused on how they appear, the outer life. They're going to be focused on what other people can see and measure, and they'll start to be more, they'll be more concerned about what others think than when, what God thinks. They want to look good. And so we need to understand today that we could fall into that trap as well in our faith. That that trap is not just for one group of people at one time, but it's still a threat today. That we could live our lives trying to please others instead of pleasing God. And others could be in the church, it could be at work, it could be everybody everywhere that you're around. You can get into a trap of pleasing others instead of living a life focused on pleasing God. And Jesus says that what that can do is re it will replace keeping his commandments 
with following our traditions. Traditions are like the expectations that others have, right? Well, we do this at Christmas time, right? We have traditions, right? We have traditions here. There's an expectation that we have announcements every week here, right? Or that we have three songs, right? Uh, if we do four songs, that's kind of pushing it. I kind of want to sit down after the third song. Uh, you know, we have those kind of built-in systems and expectations even here. And Jesus says that we can, you know, we can be so focused on keeping those things that we lose our focus on his commandments. And so the, the, the question, the diagnostic question for all of us today is, is your focus on your outer life or your inner life? Is your focus on your outer life, what others can see, or are you more concerned with what God only can see? See, the Pharisees' problem is that their spirituality and godliness, it was all outward. It was all measurable. It was all for show. Like Jesus, you know, goes to the synagogue, and, uh, or he, he compares the prayers of, of the Pharisee and the sinner you know, and the, the Pharisee has a big, long-winded prayer that everybody can see and is very eloquent. And, and, and the sinner just asks for God to save him. And Jesus says, that guy went home justified, not the Pharisee. God cares about the inner man, the inner person. And so in this next part of the, the passage, we see that, that all the knowledge that the Pharisees had it kind of turned them into spin masters. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they just knew how to spin things to justify themselves. They got really good at, at covering up their sin with things that sounded kind of noble. Um, and Jesus uses this example of caring for your parents, spiritual care for your parents. He says, um, he says this, For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father and mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother. So let me just explain what that example is all about. And it's an example, but um, honoring your father and mother is, is part of the Ten Commandments. It's part of the major way uh, that we're to show love. Uh, and to, to love others is to take care of our family. In the New Testament, Paul says to take care of those in your own household, you know, those who you're related to. Uh, we're, we're called to, to take care of our family, take care of our parents. And the Pharisees have basically used their position um, as spiritual leaders saying, well, I'm given to God, so I'm, I'm off the hook uh, for you know, providing for my parents if they need help or showing up and mowing the lawn on Sundays for my parents. They didn't have lawnmowers. I don't know what they used back then. They were in a desert, so they probably, uh, probably didn't mow the lawn. But sickles, yeah, they probably used sickles. Um, anyways, uh, all that is to say is they use their spiritual importance and position to say, I don't need to love my parents because I'm so busy and so focused over here. And Jesus is saying, that's insanity, right? Because if you're trying to train other people in how to, how to love me, how to, how, how to uh, be a godly person, and you're not willing to love your own family, like there's a huge disconnect there. And so Jesus points that out. And the, the, the example is basically speaks to this root issue, 
It's caring more about how you looked than how you love. That the Pharisees wanted the position, the title. Jesus talked about how they wanted to be honored by others. They liked that. And, you know, when you're honored by others, it feels good, right? Like, it feels good. Um, But they got so focused on how they looked, they forgot how to love. And we can fall in that same trap as well. I think this is, is really the issue. Caring too much about how we look. Like, do, do any of you, el- you else, like, yawn when you see a politician, like, roll up their sleeves? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're on TV, they're, like, giving a speech, and they got their sleeves rolled up for no other reason than just perception, right? Like, I'm going to get my hands dirty. I'm in it with you guys, right? And so for us, like, you know, is our love political or genuine, Right? Is there an angle for us? Or are we just loving from the heart? Because that's, that's who we are. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Why would Jesus say that? Because that's all about keeping your heart pure, Right? And your motives pure, not getting into a trap of giving to people to get attention or credibility or or, uh, glory for yourself. But instead, just giving secretly, like give it and forget it. Not giving it and posting it on Instagram, like look how good I am, right? (laughs) Which we, that's the pressure we have today, right? Like we have pressure to like broadcast the best part of our lives to everyone all the time. That's a lot of pressure, guys. And Jesus is saying, no, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to impress people. You don't have to impress people. You can just live a life faithful to God, and I see you. And Christians, do we believe that God sees us? Do we believe that God sees us in the good, in the bad, when we serve? We have to believe that God sees us and that his love for us is genuine. So that's where we come, and we, every day, we ask God, am I doing what you want me to do? And before we we consider what anybody else expects of us or wants of us, we, we go first to God and ask him, God, am I doing what you want me to do today? And I think there's a trap, and I want to use the word impress. I think we all live with the trap of impressing others, to go after titles or recognition or success, whether that's at work, at home, at school, or at church. We have in us this desire to impress others. And I say this as as someone who also fights that battle, you know? Like, am I trying to, you know, impress God and live for God, or am I trying to impress others? I sit in rooms with other pastors sometimes, And sometimes when I hear, like, oh, man, we had a great Sunday, like, we had 10 people baptized, my first thought is not, oh, man, that's awesome, praise God. It's like, oh, man, what did we do that I could share? Uh, That's impressive, you know? That's not the right response. We just celebrate, right, where there's fruit. And, And here's the thing. We don't need to be impressive because Jesus is impressive, right? Jesus died so that you didn't have to be impressive, 
You didn't have to measure up. You didn't have to do all the things. All you have to do is love Jesus and share about how impressive he is. Show others that Jesus is impressive. You know, sometimes, uh, like in past jobs, former coworkers I've uh, worked with, they don't get my career change to pastor, right? Like, you know, you're a pastor. Are you okay? You doing all right? You're pastoring now? You live where? No, kidding. Uh, no, but sometimes I want my life to make more sense to people, right? As a Christian, you want your life to make more sense. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm serving this weekend. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all in on, on the church or, or whatever it is. And, and that's not going to compute for everyone. Paul says in, in Timothy that, you know, he who desires to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. I think that word persecuted is pretty strong today. What if we just said, he who desires to live a godly life in Christ won't live a life that makes sense to everyone, right? Might seem a little off. It might create some tension in your family or with your friends or with your coworkers, and that's okay. Like, let's just lean into that tension, right? Let's, let's, let's let conversations come out of that tension, right? When we just live for Christ, when we're concerned about what Jesus wants, not what everybody else wants. And so Jesus goes on to continue this difference uh, between the outer life and the inner life in verse 18. And what he does is he explains that it's not what goes into a person that defiles them. It's what is in their heart. It's what comes out of their heart. So he says this. In verse 18, it says, And he said to them, Then, uh, the, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? And Jesus is talking about poop right there, okay? <laughs> and is expelled, just like, take a time out, just so you know, uh, is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, pride, slander, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. It's like Jesus didn't leave any stone unturned there. He's like, all these things. So don't worry about what's coming in. Worry about what's flowing out of your heart. That's what defiles you. You know, you're made, basically, this is an argument. Defilement, again, is saying it's common. So this is an argument about what's holy and what's common, what's like ordinary or dirty. And Jesus is saying, like, I make you holy. I make you holy. All these other things, all the, the battle of the flesh right here, and he says he leaves no stone unturned in this list, right? All of these things that come out, that's what makes you common. That's what makes you like the rest of the world. I'm the one who can make you holy, but it happens from the inside out. It happens from the inside out. Without Jesus in our heart, we, ha we just have our flesh. We just have the, the evil of the world. Everything else that the world is into, right? Jealousy, slander, pride, sexual immorality, uh, all the things. 
And God takes us broken people and he makes us whole. He makes us holy, right? And if we return to these things, it, it cheapens our lives, right? That's, he says that's what defiles us. That what, that's what makes us common. But the exterior doesn't make us common. Um, the exterior doesn't make us common. God uses people who, who look messy and have bad manners. So hopefully that's good news. It's good news for my kids. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kind of not kidding, though. I love you, kids. Um, but God uses people who look messy and have, have bad manners. What God can't use is a defiled heart, right? When your heart is, a de is defiled, God can't use you. But if you're pure of heart, God can use you. And so this is the, the difference, I wanna, how I want to sum this up with this question today. I want to talk about the having a tidy life versus having a transformed life. Because I think that's the difference. The Pharisees wanted a tidy life, like all of their religion could be put in a box, and Jesus calls his disciples to live a transformed life that isn't as focused on the details. That's the difference between this outer and inner life. Do you want a tidy life or a transformed life? The Pharisees chose a tidy life before God. And when we choose the tidy life instead of the transformed life, what does Jesus say? We worship in vain. Our hearts are far from God. Like we're worship worshiping not from a place of surrender, me and God, but just meeting expectations. And that's what he says. It doesn't mean anything. Your worship has to be between you and God. You and God. A direct connection. And I've been in the church a long time, and there have been seasons of my life where I wasn't, I didn't feel very connected to God. I felt distracted or, or, or just not really, really seeking God. And I would show up to church and I'd be half-hearted in my worship. And sometimes I'd blame it on the church. Ah, oh, the worship was cheesy or uh, not, our worship is not cheesy, by the way. I love our <laughs> worship. Or the message, you know, it wasn't strong enough. It didn't hit me in the heart. The, the environment felt fake. You know, I would, I would like think about those things. But where I should have been pointing that finger is back at me, right? God, what, what needs to happen here? Don't worry about this. What's, what's going on here? Because I truly wasn't worshiping Jesus with my whole life. There is a direct connection between how you worship during the week and how you worship on Sunday. There's a direct connection. If you spend your week worshiping God with all of your heart, right? If, if every morning you're seeking God, you can show up Sunday and be excited and celebrate what he's done, right? And that's the goal. And sometimes we do show up to church broken, distracted, beaten up, and we just need a place of refuge, and that is great if you're in that place. But as you grow in Christ, Jesus will want to, your whole, more and more of your life to be worship, right? More and more of your life to be about him. So as you grow in Christ, you should grow in worship too, Because God wants us to not pursue the tidy life that, that makes sense to everybody else. He wants us to pursue the transformed life. The one where he's in control, he's at the wheel, he's taking us places. We're leaning on him, we're trusting him, we're watching him provide in amazing ways, we're watching him do amazing things, and we just got to celebrate that and say Jesus is impressive. What Jesus did is, is pretty impressive. 
And that's the heart that, that Jesus wants to put in us. And so, guys, if you're struggling today, if we ran down that list and you're like, oh, man, Lord, clean me up. Wash me clean. Jesus wants to do that today, right? If you're like, man, I've been living for the wrong things, or I've been so focused on the outer things, I'm forgetting the inner things. I think, I think God wants to do some work today. I would encourage you, we have a prayer corner right here, and we would love to pray for you during the worship time. Um, or just pray, if, if you're not comfortable with that, pray where you're at, or just let somebody know, because we want to walk with you in that. God has work, he, God's working on all of us, right? And that's why he brings his church together, because we're here to encourage each other and build each other up. We actually need each other. And so my prayer is, man, if you've been chasing that tidy life that makes sense and you've got all your ducks in a row, why don't you give that to God and see what he'll do with it? You know, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 34, 8, where, where God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's, it's hey, try me out. <laughs> try following me and see what happens. See what transformation will happen. And so that's the invitation. If you're not sure or if you're just in a hard place, Jesus invites you to give that tidy life or that messy life to him and see how he'll transform it. Let's pray. Lord, I just... Man, I... Um, just reading this passage this week, I was just so challenged, Lord, and about the purity of heart that you ask us to have, that you want to lead us into. Yet I was also overwhelmed by a sense of your grace lord that we can't transform our lives on our own it's something that you do lord that we can't check all the boxes and do all the right things and and get rid of all the mess in our lives by ourselves that's something you do when we love you and when we come to know you and so god i pray for that transformation to occur in our hearts lord in our families in our communities be at work Holy Spirit, we invite you to be at work this morning. We invite you to speak to our hearts. Lord, if we are closed-fisted about anything in our lives, we pray that you would help us to open our hands. You would help us to, to open ourselves to you and see what you might do. Lord, that we could taste and see that the Lord is good in every season. And some of us have had really, really hard seasons. Some of us feel... Like, we're a mess, and we don't know where to go. And the good news is that it's not about behaving correctly. It's about being transformed by relationship with Jesus, about loving God and loving others, and that everything else flows out of that. So I pray for us, for those who have been trying and trying and trying and feel like they're failing and failing and failing, God, to release that to you to just focus on loving you and that they might know your love for them, your love for them that was sealed on the cross, that you would actually die so that we could be set free. And God, if we're stuck in, in the things of the world that drag us down, I pray for freedom from those things right now. Just a, a spiritual freedom, God, a, a release to you you would free us from those things like in, in Hebrews 12 says the, those things that entangle us that trip us up 
Lord, that knock us off track. God, help us to, help us to re release those things and be free. So, Lord, we pray, God, that, that we would be a community that loves you with a genuine faith, loves you with a genuine love. God, that doesn't focus on the outside or doesn't look, everybody doesn't look the same. Lord, everybody doesn't act the same. It's not a club, it's a church, God. So, Lord, we pray that we would be your church here in Blaine. Lord, that, that genuinely loves people. That we might see transformation, not just of individuals, but of a city, God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.